When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Would you like to have unshakable self-confidence? Well, I'm going to give you a guaranteed five-step process to do just that. Welcome to the Heal the Hurt podcast. Remember when we were kids and we believed that anything was possible? We were going to be the first man or woman to do something really great. But then something happened. Something got in the way of living the life of greatness we know we were meant for. Well, it's now your turn to become the greatest version of yourself. And to achieve that, we will heal the hurt. Are you ready to have unshakable confidence? Well, let's get right to it because we got a lot of ground to cover and make sure you stay tuned to the end because I'm going to throw in a little bonus tip that'll help you really solidify that self-confidence. The first thing to recognize is self-confidence is a really a self-esteem. It's how we feel, not so much how we think, but mostly how we feel about ourselves. And the single greatest determiner of how we feel about ourselves are our actions. So that's tip number one. Our actions will determine our self-confidence. Now, why is that? I mean, that seems so simple, but why is that so difficult? Well, here's why. Because of childhood and most decisions were made for us, most people have no idea what they need and want, what their morals and values are, and what they find negotiable and non-negotiable. Now, I can hear a lot of people going, oh, yeah, I know. Well, the, the statistics show that's not the case. Gallup in 2016 did a poll and found that 87.6% of the people on the planet are unhappy. Well, that's a sign of people who don't know their morals and values, needs and wants, what's negotiable and non-negotiable, because they're obviously going against them. For decades, Gallup has shown that only 7% of the population is truly satisfied with their job. Well, again, why would that be? They're obviously not working towards themselves. They're doing something that doesn't work for them. And again, this goes back to childhood where those decisions were made for us. We were told you got to go to piano class. You've got to play this sport, you know, all well-intentioned things, but we never learned to look inside and create that awareness. So here's tip number one, get a piece of paper and write down Needs, wants, morals, values, negotiables, non-negotiables. Now, I want to go through these real quick. There's a difference between a need and a want. Needs are things we need to survive. Food, clothing, shelter, intimacy, that can be sexual and non-sexual. Money is very important. These are survival things. So look in your life. See, where are you not meeting your needs? Are you working at or below your potential? Is that where you're not meeting your need? Are you in a career that doesn't meet your needs? Are you in a relationship that doesn't meet your needs? All right. Are you not providing yourself enough clothing and, you know, things like that? That's what you're looking for. Now, you may find defic- deficiencies there. So you need to lay out 
what are your needs based on your beliefs, not your parents, but for yourself. Wants are different. Wants bring us joy. They make us smile. All right. Now, what happens to most people that are struggling with self-confidence is they pursue their wants at the expense of their needs. What that means is they buy the big house, they buy the big car, they pursue because they don't really, they lack self-confidence, they weren't allowed to make decisions on their own, now they're chasing wants instead of needs. And so they, they get wrapped into the you know, Mercedes, the BMW, whatever, to fit in with the Joneses, but yet they're struggling just to pay their mortgage or their light bill or something like that. They're not able to meet their needs. So wants are things we need to have and we need to pursue as long as they don't sacrifice our needs. Now, there's others that it's the complete opposite. They don't ever give themselves joy. They feel tremendous guilt, and that goes again back to childhood. They were Their whole job was meant to make sure the parents were happy, and so they learned to become what's, what's called needless and wantless. And so they never pursued joy. That was something I really struggled with. I just... I didn't know how to do anything for myself that made me feel good about myself and brought me joy. So that could be something simple, getting your nails done, uh, going out with the guys and playing pool, you know, um, a, a concert, a sporting event, uh, anything like that, or a favorite food, something like that that brings you joy, all right? Morals and values, now these change over time. We all have certain things, whether it's spiritually, sexually, financially, um, emotionally, as a family, you know, a family person, how, what kind of parent we want to be, what kind of relationship. Same thing. Lay out all of those topics on a sheet of paper and start defining. What do you really believe about money? What do you really believe about relationships, about sex, about uh, how to be a parent? What are your morals and values? Because most people are in careers and in relationships where the morals and values don't line up because they've never sat and considered them. And then they wake up five years into the marriage and go, oh my God, this person does X, Y, and Z and I can't stand that. Well, that's because you never sat down and mapped out your morals and values. That leads us into negotiables and non-negotiables, okay? These are things that, you know, like if it's non-negotiable, I mean, it makes sense. I can't have this in my life. If this is in my life, I won't have self-confidence because my actions, I'm going against who I am. Negotiables are different. Like there are certain things where I'm perfectly okay. Um, I, I have flexibility on, you know, I talk about this all the time. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I don't mind if someone drinks, even gets drunk. Even when I drank, I always hated the sloppy drunk, you know, that just always drove me crazy. But someone has a drink or something here and there, I'm fine with they need a drink every day or every week, you know, if they're, that might be too much for me. Do you see how that's negotiable? It moves in and out. On the other hand, what's non-negotiable for me is drugs, marijuana, pills, and most people, I mean, most of the population takes things like that. Well, that's just non-negotiable. I can't have it in my life, whether that's a friendship or a relationship with a woman. If she thinks pot's okay, I, everything else Morals and values could line up, needs and wants, everything. She'd be stunning and all the things I want. If she thinks it's okay to do drugs or smoke pot, I'm done. It's non-negotiable. And so that's what's creating a lack of self-confidence. 
where are you going against your negotiables and non-negotiables? All right, so that's step one. What are your morals and values, your needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables? The second thing to realize about self-confidence is it's not a thought, it's a feeling. I mean, neuroscience has shown it. People like Antonio Damasio, Candace Pert, the leading scientists have now shown that, you know, what we've been told about medicine is, you know, medicine evolves, science evolves. We discover things. You know, we used to think the world was flat. We now see it's round. Well, we used to think that, you know, thought drove everything. Well, as we're discovering, as Antonio Damasio and Candace Pert have found, that's not true. Almost all of our thoughts are a byproduct of emotion that we're feeling. And so one of the things people struggle with looking for self-confidence is they keep trying to talk positive. Well, you're always having emotional experiences. And those emotional experiences, even from your past, are driving your current behavior. And so unless you become attuned and attached to what you're feeling emotionally, you can't have self-confidence. Now, unfortunately, because our society for centuries has really downplayed emotion, most people don't feel. The stats show just under 70% of people literally are not in touch with their feelings. So here's the first tip. Keep a list with you for the next week. Go on to Google, type in feelings list. Thousands of lists will come up. Find one that has a good mix of both, of both positive and negative feelings. And then keep that with you for the week and make check marks. Start becoming aware of the consistent feelings you're having. And if you're lacking confidence, most likely there's a lot of negative ones that are surfacing and replaying that are then creating negative thoughts. And the science is overwhelming. If you have a negative feeling and you try and attack it with positive thought, because it's a lie, it goes against that feeling, that core of who we are, you actually create more depression, more, you know, even less confidence. It, it does the exact opposite. The feeling is what has to shift, all right? So you have to become aware of the difference between the positive and negative feelings you're having. Then the key is to sit. When you experience those positive feelings, recognize where in your body you feel them. Sit in those feelings. Learn to build on them and make them the primary feeling that you experience. I call it feelization. You know, the, a lot of times they'll say, visualize what you want. It's much more, If yes, you want to see it, but as you're visualizing, the key isn't the visualization. The key is the feeling associated with the visualization because that drives thought and then behavior. So you really want to become an expert in what you're feeling at all times, all right? And that leads us to tip number three. You have to think negative to be able to think positive. I've talked about this a lot lately. And what I mean by that is, I just showed you that science and everything is driven by feelings. And so people lacking self-confidence are filled with a ton of negative feelings. And that's all past trauma, okay? We've all been through difficult things in childhood and in our life, and in particular childhood. And I know people like, oh, my childhood was great. And I can blow that up in two questions. Uh, you know, if you've watched any of my videos, it, it's always the same two questions. One, at any time when you were a child and you felt sad, angry, lonely, or scared at anything your parents did or said, in that moment, could you have a discussion with them? Well, of course not. Our parents would stop it. Get in your room. I don't want to talk about it. That, that right there squashes 
what's called our authenticity or the person that we are, okay? That's why we don't know our morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. They get squashed in that moment. That leads to question number two. Do you have any secret from your parents? Anything you've done, said, or believe? Well, we all do. What does that show you? If my parents knew who I really was, they wouldn't accept me. And we, as a species, to survive, we must physically and emotionally attach to another human being or we'll die. So those two questions show that we dropped the person, the self, confidence, got taken from us. The person we are got squashed. And what did we do? We all developed a maladaptive false persona or a personality. We develop these things. We think they are who we really are, but they're not. Most people are living a life that is not authentic to them. And they'll all sit across from me, from me and go, oh, no, no, this is what I really like. And I start going down these questions of childhood and, and literally in less than five minutes, they're confronted with their denial of, wow, he's right. I thought I really liked this. I thought this is what I wanted. It's actually me just trying to get my parents to love me. Now, that's very difficult for people to accept and admit. I had to admit it in my life, two, played two pro sports, realized this, these were just coping skills. They weren't who I am. This is who I am. This is my person. This is who I always was as a kid. Every time this insight and my ability um, psychologically and to help people and stuff, every time this would come up, they'd squash it. Well, I did the work. I went, I got negative. In other words, those negative feelings I became an expert in and discovering where did they come from and then doing the work on healing them so that my true person could come back up. In other words, I learned to shed the personalities and those who you know may have already clicked out because they're like, oh, I don't want to hear this. I know who I am. I know my morals and values. You know, there are probably some people in massive denial who've already left the show and that's okay. When they're ready, they'll come back. That's not a judgment. They'll figure it out. It's just, it's a very difficult process to admit when we're 20, 40, 60 years old. Oh my God, I've lived my life and I'm not who I really think I am. And so that's why we have to get negative to get positive because we can only truly be positive when we see all of ourselves. And look at, there's nothing more positive in the world than to be able to see our imperfections and see our mistakes and go, you know what? It's okay. I did the best I could at the time. If I'd have known better, I'd have done better. But we can only do what we know. And no one taught you. No one ever brought this subject up to you. How could you know any different? Society doesn't. Society's just starting to deal with emotions. Think about it. For millions of years, we've been around. And we're just starting to give people permission to actually go to the source of their problems. Well, how could you have done any better? You couldn't. It's like asking you, it's like asking you to write a short story and only giving you half of the alphabet. It's how we've all lived our life. We've only been given half the al alphabet because science and medicine has said, oh, emotion doesn't matter. Well, we've proven now it's actually the opposite. Emotion drives almost everything. And so we're just now getting access to the other side of the alphabet. So don't be hard on yourself that you don't know a lot of these things and you've struggled. Well, that doesn't make you bad. It just means you didn't have the rest of the alphabet. Well, now you do. So use that alphabet to go become an expert in that pain, 
in those perfect imperfections. Because once you can see and accept all of you, that's the true self. That's the person. That gives you tremendous self-confidence. The single greatest key to gaining self-confidence is the ability to go back, look at your pain, admit it, admit your imperfections, and accept it fully. You cannot skip this step. This is the step everybody wants to skip. They don't want to deal with it. They want to do anything but this. But this is the the single most important step in the whole process of gaining your self-confidence. You have to rework the pain that you've never faced and addressed. You actually have to admit to yourself. The first step for most people is you have to admit to yourself that, yeah, you went through a lot of pain and you're stuck in it. And unless you deal with it, you'll never walk in the true person, as I call it, the greatness, your greatness. You will never achieve that in your life without going to this step. Okay? All right, let's get to step four. Well, I want to go back to step three before I do that. I kind of forgot something. What you want to do in step three is once you go back and discover all of those negative thoughts and feelings and emotions that were placed into you by your parents, your teachers, your coaches, your friends, all the traumatic moments in your life that are creating. Because what happens is in those moments, we have that deep emotional reaction, okay? And it gets stuck in our brain and body. We end up repeating it. We end up looking to repeat it, all right? So we have to go back and uncover that and give those feelings back to them. So In this step, the key is to make a list of all the negative thoughts and feelings you have. So remember the feelings list? See, all these steps build on each other. Remember the feelings list? You created, you started to see all this pain that you're in, all right? Now, take that list, go back and go, who gave this to me? Where did I learn to be frustrated? Where did I learn to feel selfish or guilty? Or where did I learn all this stuff? Who said these things to me? Who planted these messages into me? Who hurt me? Make a list of all of that. Now, once you have that list, then it's a process of whoever the individual was that planted that into you. You have to realize they didn't do it to hurt you. All right. So in some cases they did, but very rarely. It's just they were unconscious because, again, they weren't taught this stuff either. So they're stuck in their own pain and they're just transferring it to you. And so that's the realization is all of those negative thoughts when you're lacking self-confidence is because you're carrying somebody else's pain. It's not even yours. They haven't done the work and they've transferred it in their own self-loathing, their own fear, their own indecision. They've transferred it into you and you're carrying it. And that's why you have a personality and you're not walking in your person. Okay? So the process is to give it back. Make the list of everybody. What I do, you can figure out a way that works for you, but... What I always do is I feel like to me that those thoughts and feelings are here in my chest and I just grab them. And it was usually my father. I grab him, I go, Dad, I love you, but I'm not going to carry your pain anymore. I literally feel myself grab that thought and feeling and giving it back to them. It's not my job to fix it. And that was my role as a kid. And for all of us as kids, our parents unwittingly make us responsible to heal them. And so it's now as an adult, it's our responsibility to take ownership of that, not blame them. They did the best they could. I mean, 
We hold them accountable because they chose not to go heal it. Remember, society is for decades and centuries not dealt with any of this stuff. So we don't let them off the hook that they chose to be irresponsible. But it doesn't mean we have to hate them or reject them. But we don't have to carry it anymore. And so we get into reality of this isn't my pain. I'm giving it back to you. Okay? So that's step three. Step four. Courage. This can be a difficult part because when we've been through all of that pain, we develop something called learned helplessness, all right? And so what that means is we learned to suppress who we are. We developed that personality. We, we squashed the person that we are and we learned to be helpless because remember what we need to survive, attachment. And so our greatest fear is if I go pursue who I really am, What am I going to lose? Attachment to mom and dad. Most of this is a subconscious process. You don't know it. And so when you're going to, you know, face some of this stuff, like a lot of the people, a lot of the reasons people will reject this information is because they're going to have to confront that pain that mom and dad placed in them. Well, what do they feel? Guilty. Sad. They feel bad. Oh my God, I'm a bad kid. Well, why do they feel that? Remember the first two questions? It got dumped into them that they have to think and believe and and deal with things the way mom and dad did. And so if I go change this, I'm being a bad kid. Well, that takes tremendous courage to face that. And I I did a, you know, this week I was doing a five-part series, uh, Facebook Lives, of how to build confidence. And I used the story of the laboratory that got flooded. And they had all these dogs in it. You know, they were doing experiments on the dogs. And the, the water rose just below um, their mouths. And so when the water receded and they came back into the lab, they opened up all the cages and none of the dogs would leave the cage. I mean, you'd think they'd run right out. Oh, my God, I'm free. Well, what happened is, is you know, as the waters rose, they tried to get out over and over and over and couldn't. So they just collapsed. Well, that's what's happened to you lacking self-confidence because over and over you tried to express yourself as a child and you got squashed. Don't hear it. Get to your room. You kept getting squashed over and over and over. So for lack of a better analogy, you're the dog in the cage. I'm not calling you a dog. I'm just, I hope you get the metaphor. And so you're stuck. You think about going to pursue yourself, but the cage is your parents. Well, that takes courage to face and address. You basically have to become your own scientist, pulling yourself. That's how they got the dogs to eventually get over this, is they physically pulled the dogs in and out of the cages to teach them that it's okay to be their person. They're, you know, I mean, what are puppies and dogs? They're adorable and cute, and so are you. Well, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to have the courage to pull yourself in and out of that cage to go face the trauma that you've pushed down for years and don't want to admit and don't want to face and you're scared of and all of that, you're going to have to become that for yourself. All right? So that's step four. Step five is the ability to say no. And this is really difficult for people because what what did those two questions show us in childhood? We had to say yes. We couldn't say no to our So most people really struggle with the ability to say no. And so remember tip number one, morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. The reason people can't act in their person, in their greater, what I call their greatness, 
is because in childhood, they weren't allowed to say no. Now, a lot of that in our parents' defense was to save our life. That's all wonderful. But now they're stuck in a, as an adult. And they think to be a good adult, I have to say yes. I mean, we also have societal messages. Look at you know, relationships, uh, religion, spirituality. What are we all told? Oh, my God, do everything for everybody else. You know, uh, Simon Sinek, his why. Tony Robbins, everyone says it has to be something bigger than you. Well, that's not even possible. We can never do something for somebody else unless it works in our morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. Those are fallacies that you have to do things for other people for you to be happy, that your whole purpose has to be for other people. The science shows, too, those that do that, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, multiple sclerosis, almost all of those diseases are are the result of people who can't say no. Now, I know you're going to flip out. Send me a private message. I'll send you the studies. I'll send you the books that prove it, okay? It's an emotional condition because they've been taught they're not allowed to ever do anything for themselves that were bad. It's one of the most crippling problems in society is we think, oh, to have the life you want, you got to give, give, give. Giving is wonderful, but only when it works within your morals, values, needs, and wants, negotiables, and non-negotiables. And here's why. Why have all your, and I'll, I'm going to prove it to you. Why have all your relationships broken up? Think about it. What do you always say? I did this for them, and I did this for them, and I did this for them, and they wouldn't even do this. Right? So what does that mean? I said yes to this, I said yes to this, and I said yes to this to manipulate getting this back. See, this is what we've all been taught, a manipulative dynamic that we're supposed to do everything for everybody. But what happens? We didn't want to, and the proof that we didn't want to is we expected something in return. Right? We can only give. What do they always say? Giving, that you shouldn't expect anything in return. Well, almost everybody does because we're told you have to give. Well, the only way you can give without that is it has to fall in line with your morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. That way you won't throw it in their face. So here's the key. Before you ever say yes to anything, ask yourself a couple of questions. One, will I ever bring this up again? Will I ever point out to them how I do so much for them? Or how I did this specific thing. If I think I will ever bring it up that I did this for them, then don't do it. And especially if you're going to throw it in their face of how they didn't do it back. That's a yes to manipulate getting something in return. That's severely abusive and manipulative. And that's a primary struggle. People with low self-confidence, they're manipulating others. They're going against themselves trying to get something in return. We have to break that dynamic as a, as a society. The second question to ask yourself is, will I ever feel resentment? Well, almost all of us do. Again, why have relationships broken up? Because we resent that we did so much for the other person. What that says, that resentment or bringing it up, it says you went against your person. This was not okay with you in this specific circumstance. So, you need to learn to say no. And the way to say no goes back to step one. When you identify those things, now you can look at and go, yeah, this fits within my negotiables. I don't mind doing this. And then you'll never bring it up. You'll never resent the person because you're doing it for you first. 
There's an ancillary benefit that they get something from. It's like I say, Mother Teresa, she never did anything for anyone. Ever. Ever. Mother Teresa had an addiction to how it made her feel about herself to do things for other people. And that's what you need to get to is does this work for me? And listen, listen to anyone who does charity work. What do they all say? You ask them, so why do you do this? I love the way it makes me feel. They never say, I love the impact on them. But even there, did you hear that? I love. It always starts with I. They're always talking about themselves because it meets their needs and wants, morals and values, negotiables and non-negotiables. We can never do anything for anyone else unless it meets us first. We have to be selfish to be selfless. Say it again. We have to be selfish to be selfless. The model we've been taught is horrific. It's killing people. It's killing relationships. No is the most powerful and loving word you can say to anyone. And it's a single, one of the main reasons you're lacking self-confidence is because you don't think you're worth standing up for yourself and living in your person. That's childhood trauma and pain. Okay? That's why you have to think negative to be able to think positive. You have to go back and reclaim your person so that you can say no. All right. Now, here's the bonus tip. These are all processes I've given you to really think about the problem and put in place. Now, ultimately, this is where we have to start. Like, I talk about this all the time. Law of attraction, the power of now, um, all of those things, they're dead right. Like, you don't have to do any of this stuff. They would all say this is all garbage, you're overthinking, you're trapped in the mind, and they're right. They're exactly right. But here's what I found. Here's why people can't live in the power of now and can't put the law of attraction into place. Because they have all of this trauma in their way. All of these five steps. So, once you become proficient at these five steps, then you get to the bonus tip. All right. And the bonus tip is this. Who am I without these thoughts and feelings? Right in this moment. Does any of it matter? Because think of what all these show. You're living in either the past or the future. You're not even present in your life. Well, because of the dysfunction and all the pain and trauma that you're stuck in, you can't live in just this moment. That's why you can't make the law of attraction, the power of now work is all of that thought is crippling you. So once you become proficient at this, your person can come up. And when you're in your person, you can stop thinking about all this stuff because that's what the power of now is. Obsessive thinking, you know, as he calls it, the ego or the, you know, the little eye versus the big eye, you know, you're stuck in all of this pain and trauma. Once you clear it up through those five steps, now you can just be present in the moment and observe somebody else doing whatever they do and just go. Now in this moment, do you need anything? Like right now, nothing. If you took all the thoughts away from past and future, all the pain and anguish, right now, if you cleared all of it away, what's left? Your essence. It's just quiet. It's you. There's a sense of power and freedom of safety. That's your greatness when you clear away all this trauma. That's why you have to get through the first five steps to be able to access step number six, the power of now, the law of attraction.
So go become an expert in your pain. That's how you get your self-confidence. When you become an expert in it, can work through it, accept yourself, love and forgive yourself of how you repeated it against yourself, then you can get free, then you can get present in the person or the self-confidence that's behind all of that thought and emotion.